Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How can ghosts appear to different people in different places at the same time? If human-alien contact is true, why don't we catch alien diseases from each other? Or do we? Hello and welcome to the 758th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON. 1240 a.m. and 99.3 FM, and uh, this is our 11th year on the air, and we should have ourselves like a little little birthday party or something, a little cake, an alien-shaped cake perhaps, or ghost-shaped cake. <laughs> anyway, I'm Ben, and those uh, contagious questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, and definitely not a parasite, my dad, Paul. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Alrighty, so today we bring you an open line show with our famous guest co-host, Shane Searway, who is sitting across the uh, table from me here at our, our studio here. So welcome back, Shane. Hey, well, thanks for having me again. And uh, hello to all the listeners. And here we are fresh off our weekend, last weekend, uh, um, at the Extra UFO Festival, which was very great. Uh, very hectic and busy. But very I'm really sad I missed the pet costume contest. Yeah, I know. I, every year I try to catch that. But you told yeah. me about that squirrel, so, and I, I was very jealous that I could not see it. Yeah, yes, did, uh, did not see the squirrel. A pet squirrel. Uh, all for charity. It was yes. great. Okay. So we welcome your attempts at communication with us today, whether it's uh, you know via phone, via mind and telepathy. Uh, the number is 401-766-1240 from anywhere, and you can uh, send emails during and after the show. And uh, you can always um, send those to paul at behindtheparanormal.com for those. Okay. Well, let's begin with uh, some emails we received from Facebook, and uh, here's one from the one of the more oriental, exotic oriental areas, uh, one of our listeners, Nisha in Navi, Mumbai, India. Ben. Alrighty, so uh, Nisha writes to us, why is it that humans can uh, come into contact with aliens and not catch alien diseases and vice versa? That's actually a really good question, um, as when Europeans went to uh, America, you know, bring smallpox and such. Or uh, could some of these unusual diseases that have come uh, to light in the last few decades actually be alien in origin? Wow. Well, you fellows can take that, but this this is something I've wondered about many, many times. And I have voiced it from here and there. Maybe Nisha was listening (laughs) to one of the shows when I said that. But I think it's it's a a very good question. what, what yes, the think? common cold comes from the Andromeda galaxy. <laughs> That's why we well, can't find a cure. <laughs> I mean, diseases, uh, new diseases are coming through all the time because things, right. bacteria mutate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, I'm thinking back to the panspermia theory of Sir Fred Hoyle, the astronomer, who said that whenever the Earth moves through one of these gas clouds in space, which are not gas clouds, they're probably trillions and trillions of, a- of alien microbes that see different planets with life. That's when you've had, uh, he, he timed it, actually, because when the Earth moved through those, and you actually had the, the, the Cambrian extinction took place, and all of a sudden you have know, all these new species that come out of nowhere, huh. like 600 million years ago, that's and interesting. bingo, you know, and these things happen. So, you know, whether that's the whole explanation or a partial explanation, I don't know. Shane, what do you think? Um, well, I think this is, it's a great question. It's very hard to know um, either way, really. But um, I, I am aware of um, quite a, quite a lot of people who who say they are abductees or whatever, and have gotten sick after an experience or rashes too. Um, That's that, right. Yeah. There's been fungal infections that seem to be common in 
people who claim to have been abducted and um, other similar illnesses, you know. But it's a, but it's very. How can we prove it? You know, if, yeah. they, if they got it during a, an experience or not, it's very, very hard. But it's it's something I think anybody that's really into this has thought about at one point of time because it's an excellent point. You know, it sure is. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking of when um, you remember, Ben, in '03, you were a young, a wee lad, and uh, we were at the uh, West Virginia Paranormal Conference in Parkersburg with Bud Hopkins. And I sat down. Actually, we found some time to sit down, and he was showing me his album of, uh, I guess, wounds uh, or marks on people's bodies that had taken place during, supposedly, during abductions. And the first thing I realized was that. These are, are very similar to the marks we, I've seen in poltergeist cases. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there, there are some differences but in some, but not all. And so I said, my gosh, so we were going to do some work on that, but he uh, really began to suffer from cancer and passed shortly thereafter. We never were able to do it. But uh, now that that's, may or may not be infectious. Uh, marks on the body can be from infections. Uh, and, of course, the, I suppose one possible answer to the question is that if if these, you know, assuming these are standard flesh and blood beings from other planets or from other parallel worlds where, I suppose, same thing in a way, they might have technology to prevent mutual infection. And particularly if they're doing medical experiments, you think they'd have to be awfully dumb not to think of of that. Uh, One of the questions that arose, and uh, Nisha brings up a historical point, that when Americans, I should say Europeans, came to America, they infected, uh, particularly the New England tribes here in here in New England, and you know, they would find uh, whole villages just dead from the flu and things like that that they didn't have here at the time. Mm-hmm. But my question is, why didn't the Europeans pick up diseases to which they had no immunity to, that, that, that the natives might have had? Now, the natives had a healthier lifestyle. Maybe, they, I mean, but they must have had something that Europeans could have caught. But I don't know. I've never heard an answer to that question. I had thought. So I um I remember I remembered something when we when you brought up Bud Hopkins because um I remember I don't remember if it was with him or some other researcher. I'm trying to remember exactly what the case was, but there was someone who was abducted multiple times and found out they had cancer. So or like high levels of radiation and, yes. and such. So I was thinking about that and I was like, you know, maybe if people come into contact with with you know extraterrestrials, um, you know, there's always some sort of weird thing that goes on with Geiger counters. I know that in some landing spots, like people have taken like Geiger counters to them and they've been like incredibly radioactive. So one thing I I had to double check my research on this, but UV radiation can actually kill bacteria. So, or, or like, you know, certain hmm. insects and stuff like that, because I was like, I don't want to say it without checking it first. Yes. So I, was, so I just, I, I quickly looked it up on my phone while you guys were talking, and, you know, it, kill, it kills bacteria to, to a certain point, specifically on clothing and diapers for some reason. I don't think extraterrestrials need diapers, but, you know, clothing and such. So if they are wearing these specific suits, then, you know, perhaps they are irradiated. Hence, people, you know, getting various forms of cancer that they never had before, like appearing out of nowhere, or... um Maybe even like some sort of, um, or even any sort of radioactivity in general. I mm. think that that might have something to do with it if it's, you know, flesh and blood extraterrestrials from XYZ galaxy. Well, I'm thinking too of uh, landing uh, phenomena that have been recorded uh, by Ted Phillips and other people where you have uh, grass 
in a circle that will, will never grow again, or at least not for decades. Uh, Edmund Furr, the case in Saskatchewan, 1965, we had him on the show a couple of years ago, and there were three craft, he was minding his own business, farming his farm, and there were three craft landed on the ground, and he said, uh, you know, it took years and years for the, remember the, the RCMP and the FBI investigated because it was so freaky. And uh, the grass didn't grow for years, years, decades, actually. Uh, Kansas, so 1977, another case where uh, vegetation was killed, uh, presumably by some sort of radiation or whatever. So obviously that, that does not bode well for human contact mm-hmm. either. So uh, I guess the long answer to, to Nisha's question, the short answer to Nisha's question is we just don't know. I'd like to uh, talk about one part of that um, as far as the settlers versus uh, Native Americans and why mm-hmm. Native Americans were, were getting sick from the settlers or wh- whatever. Um, but... Uh, the settlers weren't contracting, you know, that we know about from the Native Americans. And I think, like you said, lifestyle, um, much, much healthier from the Native Americans. And what they consumed was, um, all fresh stuff, um, and, you know, fresh vegetables and, and meats and stuff like that. Their diet was much more healthier for the immune system to maintain a good immune system, which we know this is a fact. Um, the settlers ate a lot of breads and things like that and sugar, sugars. And one thing we know is cell uh, cancer cell growth is fueled by sure. uh, sugar mm-hmm. and um, and also the um, the breads and inst- you know those types of food also um, we know it, it impairs our uh, vibrational frequency it lowers it which makes us more susceptible to cancer and other illnesses too so I think the mm-hmm. diet had a lot to do with that yeah I think diet is everything I mean that, that's yeah. becoming known today, like, so. like that old adage that you know sounded kind of ridiculous if you take it literally you are what you eat yeah well, one of my professors coined that wait actually in the seminary Father Alexander Schmemann one of my teachers yeah did he actually coin that I believe so yeah hmm. in, in his hmm. book Ultimate Questions interesting from the 70s that's great okay anyway moving on <laughs> I miss him okay let's move on to Ken from Maine and, and this, I just have a note here. This is based on our presentations at the Exeter UFO Festival last weekend, uh, on, in our case, aliens and exorcism, and in Shane's case, parasitic entities. So, what does Ken have to say there, Ben? Alrighty, so Ken says, um, do you think that the, uh, visitations and such, uh, were the reason for their illness? I'm assuming the mental patients. Um, and why, uh, they were patients in the first place? Did the visitation stop after you all performed the rituals? All right, now just a little background. Our presentation had to do with some experiences that has been very difficult for me to talk about over the years. I remember I haven't said much about it. Uh, but in the 1970s, while I was a seminary student, I was in the unusual position of assisting a diocesan exorcist, a priest, uh, with uh, several exorcisms at a state, Augensburg State Hospital in northern New York State. And that's, th- that's the background of the question. So, uh, f- and I noticed in looking back over my notes just recently, I hadn't looked at the notes in 40 years, and this is for my forthcoming book, the first chapter is about these exorcisms. Did the, uh, was the point that seven, five of the seven people we worked with, uh, ha- had reported UFO experiences and alien abductions. Uh, or at least alien visitations. So that that really took me by surprise, and I, I remembered at the time the priest said, well, these people are officially crazy anyway because they were at a state hospital, so don't pay any attention to the UFO stories. Uh, I wish we had, because uh, I think it's very relevant. So hence Ken's question, you think the visitations from 
apparently alien entities, whatever their origins were, uh, were the reason for their illness, their psychiatric illness, and why they were patients in the first place. Uh, that, that's a good question. Unfortunately, we, because the priest told me to pay no attention to this, we didn't really do any further research on it. But I think, that, but looking back on it, I mean, seeing similar things today uh, or and over the years, uh, I think that um, all these things seem, seem to be intertwined. Like in the psych hospitals, you'd find that mental illness, particularly psychoses, were intertwined at times with what I judged were paranormal phenomena. Okay, uh, it was very, very difficult to disentangle these things and to tell, especially because my degree was in philosophy, not medicine. So uh, th- these are just my impressions. But I think that uh, the visitations um, may very well have, uh, if, if, if they were parasitical in this case. Now, whether the alien visitations were parasitical, that's very possible. Uh, I think that, that we can take these parasitical entities, what folklore calls demons, and they might be, they, they might actually be alien creatures, because the ones I've run into are entirely alien. Uh, you know, I mentioned a number of prominent cases on the show where I just got the impression, you know, these were not evil as such, but they were just alien and almost just utterly other, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was very scary that way. So I think that there there may have been uh, a factor in which the um, the uh, whatever these beings were, uh, parasites or whatever, uh, and or aliens, uh, influenced the, uh, the mental state of the person and may have uh, pushed them over the edge. Why? Because when a person is in distress or frustrated or whatever, or angry or fearful, whatever, that rings the dinner bell, as we always say, for parasitical entities. So, Shane, you're... You're into this too, so what do you what do you think? Yeah, um, well, I had I wanted to share this with you, and now I get to share it with the listeners at the same time because we haven't talked about it yet. But I was just contacted by somebody who's friends with somebody that attended our lectures this weekend, and um, who who has a these people have a son that's in a facility right now because of um, it, he's been diagnosed with with uh, schizoaffective disorder, hmm. and. Which is different than schizophrenia um, has similarities, but um, so, anyways, he. <clears throat> I, t- I spoke with the, f- the mother and father, and they have a have him in a very expensive facility, and it's cost him a lot of money, but it's a really good one, and and everything. But it all started basically for him, um, his troubles. They, see, they don't think that they're starting to think that he's got an attachment, that this is what's causing all these issues, mm. that he's got a strong attachment or possession. And they they really don't, maybe they don't want to believe that he's sick, or maybe he's not. So they, they want me to meet him, and if the facility will, will let him go out for the day. But he's, he's basically, he went to um, Puerto Rico to visit family when he was 17 years old. And while... Down there, he visited. He was at his grandmother's house, and he encountered shadow people, and that's when his troubles began. Oh, okay. He was an, an honor roll student all the way up. No other dis, uh, disabilities or disorders in, in his life. Honor roll student, and he he encounters these shadow beings in, in his grandmother's house, and next thing you know, he's he just spiraling. He's he's uh, hearing voices. He's seeing things that nobody else can see. He's being tormented, and um, does he have the mania and stuff too? Yeah, he's he's he, he comes and goes. It, uh, medicine helps a little bit, they said, 
he's 26 years old, um, and I guess he, he's still, you know, he's very intelligent, communicates very well. He just has these issues. So, geez, almost 10 years, huh? Yeah. So they don't, you know, like I said, it's it's hard to admit that you know your your child might have something incurable, and um, and also to have them in a facility where they can't be home with you and everything. That's that's a difficult thing. So. Um, Maybe they want to believe it's something else, blame it on something else, because I've dealt with that before. But, but um, I don't know. They, I think they have a strong argument on this one. And who's to say that that like like you talk about that these people that are in these institutions that they are schizophrenic or they you know maybe they are encountering something else. And because you know science can't say they don't have an answer, they have to develop one. You know, even if yeah. they, they don't know for sure that's what it is. And um, just based off of off of symptoms, but um, it is might, there any like family history of this? No, I asked them because with this, this uh, schizoaffective, it does yeah. run in families. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, and it also like it develops later on in life in males, and he is you know it did for him what as well. Seventeen. He started when he was seventeen. He's twenty six right now. All right. Because there was an experiment that was done. Um, I want to say it was relatively recently where these two twin girls, um, their mother had schizophrenia and she was institutionalized or she died or something so you know the two the two little the two girls who were twins um they got adopted and you know they went to two different families um one family um was you know well ordered you know went to church every sunday you know they were they had a, a pretty good family dynamic you know regular nuclear family and you know she was totally fine but the other family that adopted the other twin um was like you know, it was not a good atmosphere, like all sorts of traumatic stuff happened, and, you know, she ended up developing schizophrenia. So, you know, one of the leading theories behind, you know, pretty much any sort of, you know, whether it's schizoaffective schizo disorder or uh, schizophrenia is that it does it is hereditary, and but the only thing that kind of triggers, it needs to be like a trigger for it. Like some something traumatic has to happen. Like if you just, if you exist in an environment that's like, you know, normal, routine, no like crazy amount of trauma you're totally fine but like if you're if you're in like this constant like hurricane of emotion and and like you know mental anguish then you know it'll pop out you know i'm i'm thinking too that uh ken and everyone else all of us will be interested and there was tremendous interest excited by our presentations this past weekend mm. uh on november 18th we're going to have a show called whose voice is that on behind the paranormal here with jerry marzinski now jerry i think it's going to be one of the most important shows we've ever broadcast in the last decade and jerry is a, a mental health professional who came to the same conclusions we have while working professionally in this field and in these hospitals, mm -hmm. uh, particularly when it comes to voices. He believes these are parasitical entities. Yeah. And he said th there are a number of people in the field who believe that, and this is what I've run into. They don't, you don't dare say that because you wreck your career, mm -hmm. you know, especially in the 70s. Like these exorcisms were very hush-hush, and the doctors, you know, they, they didn't even talk about it. So i get into that in, in, in the book. So I uh, just point out November 18th is a very important show with Jerry Marzinski. And uh, if you want to co-host that day, uh, Lori Greer is going to co-host. She's our, one of our producers who also who works in behavioral science, uh, dovetails with what Marzinski does. So I think we could have quite the show that would be great. In, in November, yeah. Also, so. the back of what Ben was talking about, um, schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder both seem to be triggered by something traumatic, you know. Um, and also, um, you know, 
it, it, growing up in, like, say, a dysfunctional, um, painful, ag- agonistic type of environment, um, or just something that you witness all of a sudden that that really spun you out of control mentally, um, that seems to be what triggers this thing. But that also seems that those things are also what attracts a parasitic entity too. Wow, oh, that's exactly. actually a really good. Point. So that's a good. Yeah. That's a good. Uh, you know, Precisely. something to look at there. Hmm. Yeah, parallels everywhere. Yes. What are you going to be speaking on in the Lemonster? This is going to be a Columbus Day week, and we'll talk about this during our announcements. But there's such interest in this. Yes. That um, we we are we have a program on, on what exactly is an alien, but we're going to put in some some more of the stuff we put in from Exeter because of the interest. What's, what's your subject? Mine's going to be the parasitic life forms. Um, it, it, pretty much the same that I did in Exeter. I, I've been Probably a good idea. There's the, the unbelievable interest. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Exeter and Lemster are kind of close to each other, so I don't know if there's going to be a lot of the same uh, people there. So I, yeah. I debated whether or not I should do the same presentation. It went over very, very well. But I think I'm going to stick with it because it starts as me as a three-year-old living in Lemonster, Massachusetts. So There you go. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's a good thing, but it's basically going to be about my own life experiences um, with those little beings by my bed as a small child, yeah. my illness, what I experienced during that, and um, which what gave me information on how to deal with these parasites. And it and it seems to be that um, those beings by my bed and and what visited me while I was sick too. Um, I still experience things at night. I, I believe are extraterrestrial related, um, and you know, very strange things. I have a lot of uh, stuff going on around your house. Constant or? UFOs above my house. Yeah. I got photos of them and yeah, photos of them and yeah. other other weird um, ex- stuff going on. And but I, I believe that these two things know about each other. Whatever these things are that show up, you know, at night with me since I was a small child. Um, the same thing that showed up when I was sick. I believe they're aware of their parasites, and I actually think that they've given me the information in order how to deal with these parasites. And it's something I never said out loud, but I've always felt that way, and it's something I've been talking about recently. Well, the, yeah. for the first time in Exeter, I'll be talking about it in Lemonster again. Good. Um, a lot more information, a lot more um, things that uh, I'll be exposing a lot more of my um, knowledge on the subject that I usually don't talk about. Good. So. Our house is pretty boring compared with yours, man. Yeah, so. <laughs> Okay, very good. Well, so Ken is a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ken, I guess the best uh, advice we can give you is to come to the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference, uh, Columbus Day Week, uh, on the 6th of October uh, in Lemonster, Mass., and uh, we'll probably get more answers there. We can give you long, longer, vaguer answers. Well, I mean, we're all, we're all seeking and exploring in, in this. And, uh, again, these are things that remote ancestors oh, yeah. knew, but we're just rediscovered. So we have Ellie from Silver Spring, Maryland, is writing. She writes something that's along the same lines as the last question, but it is specifically directed to you, Dad. It is? Okay. Well, kind of. Um, I guess it's for the whole panel, but it's mostly directed at you. Um, Ellie writes, uh, as a mental health professional, I-, I have to say that I relate to a lot of what Paul says about the paranormal goings-on um, in psych hospitals and even among outpatients. I have to say that today there is a certain amount of openness to the paranormal, but it's controversial. Uh, doctors who are willing to admit uh, the person experiencing weird stuff apparently outside their control uh, will refer to parapsychology or what uh, you guys would call undiscovered science and maybe transpersonal psychology. Uh, I have even heard a little talk about paranormal worlds, but they're still uh, pretty taboo. Uh, The question is this. Are you seeing paranormal problems among people who have been institutionalized in the 70s but are now, as you say, sent on their way with a pocket full of antipsychotic drugs? 
Wow, that, that, that's a big question. Um, I, I think that, uh, well, I, I mean, I've had particularly psychiatric social workers tell me that I'm more skeptical than they are. <laughs> hmm. That happen, I've been having that happen since the 90s. Uh, I don't know really what's going on in the field. Uh, Ellie would have more, as a professional, would have more contact with that. But uh, paranormal problems among people who would have been who would have been institutionalized in the 70s. Yeah, there came a point in uh, like the Augsburg, excuse, <coughs> Augsburg State Hospital closed in 1983, and that's the one that I was working with the priest. And a lot of people, a lot of states were doing that because of the expense of running these institutions, and they wanted to have these outpatients, and they would give them antipsychotic drugs, uh, you know, Librium and Prozac was coming in and all, and uh, send them on their way. Many of them became homeless. Uh, many of the people who, uh, you know, the, the, the street people who um, increased at that point, increased in numbers, uh, many of them were former or, or would have been institutionalized uh, in the 70s had that uh, practice still been going on. So um, I, I have not done a lot of research on this, but I have heard that there are a lot of strange things that go on in the street just as there were in psychiatric wards when I was working in them. Mm. Uh, I have I have not been really involved in any of that. I have spoken with people who run shelters from, you know, at, at you know at lengthy intervals, and uh, I've heard some strange things happening uh, around there, such as would happen in, in a psychiatric ward at the time that I was working in them. So uh, all I can say is there is, I've, ha- I've heard it's hearsay. I haven't done the actual search on that. But it is a, it's an extremely good question. Shane, what say you? Actually, I, I just got an email this morning, a lengthy one too, like a yeah. book, um, <laughs> from a psychologist. Um, and he recently ran across one of my shows at, on another show um, that, that was just re-aired all around the world on different networks. They expanded their network I was telling you about. Yes. And... Um, this psychologist, you know, kind of connected. He, he related to a lot of the stuff I was saying, my ideas and, and everything, and he he, he kind of found the same things. He come, he drew the same conclusions over years of his work. And uh, one thing that he brought up, which I didn't lead him on because I didn't talk about this on during this interview that I that I had was when I'm speaking to somebody who's who has an attachment and they're going through something you know dramatic in their life and in which is what attracted this parasite in, um, we have to expose what that is. So we have to get to the root problem. We have to get the person to, to talk about it so we can deal with those those issues. But so many times when I'm, when I'm talking to these people one-on-one and they start to open up and talk about their experiences that change their, you know, their... Their emotional state of being, and, and which allowed the the connection between them and the parasite. Once they start talking about this and really letting letting go, I I witness sparks around their head. Literally, it almost looks like fireworks, hmm. psh, psh, like little snaps and, and shoot. You know, they like shoot around their head in all different directions. Um, in several instances, I've I've had assistance with me. Uh, and they have witnessed it as well. So it's not just something that I'm seeing. Only when these people start to really open up and talk about, you know, their innermost emotion, you know, what really affected them in a way that made them become a victim. Now, the psychologist, um, the, the, he told me the same thing. And I didn't talk about that on the interview. So he, he, was, he says, one thing I found um, is so many times when I'm talking to my people and they, they start talking about their problems, I'm seeing sparks fly around their head. Really? Yeah, he's describing the same thing. Hmm. 
and um, he believes that some of the ones that have this happen, he always suspected that they had some type of negative attachment to him. And then he heard my show, and he's like, "Wow, you know, mm. this makes sense." You know, see, so um, I, I think that's uh, you know not not a coincidence. I mean, it's something I've seen for over you know for over thirty years now. Yeah, you know, Ben, any thoughts on this? Well, my thought is it's time for a break. Oh, it is, isn't it? <laughs> We're rolling along. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno with our special guest co-host today, Shane Searway, on WON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We will be right back. Hi, this is Romeo Berthio. I'm reminding you that I'm back for another season of Saturday shows every Saturday morning from 6 to 9. Along with my producer, Darren Cooper, we play your favorites, check out local news stories, give you the latest scores and the winning lottery numbers. And occasionally we feature some public service announcements. It's the Saturday show every weekend here on ON Radio. Okay, we are Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our special guest co-host Shane Searway today. It's an open line show. Uh, you can certainly call us if you wish, 401-766-1240 from anywhere. Uh, the 800 number is defunct because it is legacy technology. That's the term was used for us. And nobody, uh, there are a lot of young people who don't even know what an 800 number is anymore. Hmm. So, uh, we have just, we've been dealing with a very interesting question from uh, Ellie in Silver Spring, Maryland, a mental health professional uh, who works in the field, of course. And uh, one of the points I wanted just, just to make uh, when it comes to people with attachments, as we say, when it comes to parasitical entities, is that, uh, is that several times, uh, well, more than several, I've been on, say, shows with uh, different people, or I've been, or I've been speaking, uh, and there have been uh, particularly psychic mediums uh, in the audience uh, or on the show with me, whatever show we've been doing. And uh, you don't want to just come out and say, gee, you know, you've got uh, three parasites attached to you because, you know, you kind of learn what to look for <laughs> and you know, how to, what they feel like. Uh, but one thing I can't help but notice is that um, many, of, many of these psychic mediums, uh, and Ben, you and I have known many, uh, who, whose personal lives are complete disasters. Oh, yeah. They're giving advice to everybody else. And uh, maybe there is a phenomenon, as, as a former publisher, there was a phenomenon among uh, self-help people that they don't take their own advice. <laughs> the advice may be great, but they don't do it themselves. And uh, I just I just wonder if there's a connection between uh, the, the messed up lives of many psychic mediums and uh, attachments they may have that they think are guides or masters or whatever they think they are. That's just just a thought because we always say be very careful what you believe, how you believe it, if it's coming from somebody outside mm-hmm. you, and uh, be um, particularly uh, alarmed if something's trying to tell you what to do. Well, I know one thing: um, people with certain gifts, um, empath. You know, people that are empathic. Mm. I, I am, and and but the people that run around saying, you know, I'm an empath, I'm an empath. Yeah. They're probably not because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's not nothing to brag about and it's not not fun. Just yeah. like shamanism, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I I literally, you know, and I normally don't talk about this stuff because I don't want to be judged, but it's a, it's a real thing and um and it's increased since my childhood and it, you know, you really feel other people's emotions and you Yes. And it's very not fun. Yeah, it's not fun at all. And, and but what happens is because you're you're empathic, you're sympathetic towards others. Mm-hmm. You tend to draw negative people towards you because they know they feel that you'll accept them with with their problems. Right. And so, 
um, empathic people tend to do, they do, they draw in a lot of negative people and a lot of negative presence because of their sympathy and because of how they are, their understanding. It's hard for an empath to say no. So that could be a part of the reason why some of these people that are, you know, uh, psychic or whatever, they were gifted, um, that m- maybe why their lives is all messed up because they're surrounded by people who are <laughs> messed up, yeah. you know, and, um, so you know that's that's my insight on that, and but yeah. So all right now, Ben, you uh, many very often have had contacts with people who have attachments. What, what are your what are your impressions and thoughts on this? Uh, so I've been doodling a diagram. Well, it's not really doodling. I've been I've been trying to sort of order my thinking on this. So if if you if you look down at this piece of paper, there's a bunch. If, if anyone's watching on this camera specifically, you'll see a bunch of things I've been writing down, um, and it's it's. I was trying to like figure out how to bridge the gap, right? Because one thing that we have to avoid is a term called magical thinking. Mm. That everything um, that's external of us, that is, you know, external circumstances and such, you know, whether it be, you know, parasites, inter, inter um, multiversal beings, are, you know, causing us to be sick. So really, that's it's how do we define real like mental illness? versus an attachment, yeah? Um, Or is there a difference? I think that's... So, I guess I started, you know, basically, you know, we have the human brain, right? So, the human brain is capable of doing a lot of cool Mm -hmm. things, um, including, you know, regulating everything that goes on in our entire body without us really paying attention to it or knowing it. Um, But what do we know about neurology and psychology? So neurology, essentially, you know, as uh, it was uh, Dr. David Persinger with the God Helmet. Yes. He basically said, you know, all these things that that happen in the near-death experiences, you know, just because it's a bunch of synapses in your brain doesn't mean it's not real, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So really I'm trying to order my thinking currently. It looks like a a bunch of gibberish um, now that I'm looking at it now. But essentially, how do we deal with... Because we do know that if it's neurology, that doesn't mean it's not real, right? Mm. So we know that. So moving into, like, an attachment of some sort, so how do we deal with magical thinking um, versus, you know, chemical imbalances, you know? Or is it the same thing? It can be very dangerous, I would think. Uh, Magical thinking can interfere with critical thinking, certainly. Yeah. Uh, But the question is, how do you draw the line? Transpersonal psychology is attempting to draw the line. Uh, I think there is some progress there. But it's very difficult because our paradigm is so narrow. Yeah, because it's like, you know, there's... Um, well, I mean, wh- what is real that's and what true. is not? I guess that's kind of like the basis of, of yeah. the foundation of the argument of, you know, um, because there's been, you know, various psychological standpoints since Freud that, like, you know, will just completely negate everything else. So it's like, you know, what's what's really there? Is it, is it you know... Um, Behaviorism, or be, is is that really what we all function on? Yeah, you know, and if that's the case, and if you really stuck to that, stuck to those guns, then what what does the paranormal even have to do with anything? Yeah, like how does that how does that affect you? Or if you're like a transpersonal psychologist, where you're kind of like more into that kind of realm, or even parapsychology, I think there's I think there's a lot of a lot of things we have to answer first before we get to that, and I'm kind of hesitant to say whether it's one thing or another mostly because I don't know enough yeah and I don't I don't want to make the wrong decision and ruin someone's life by saying oh well it's a parasite that's doing x y and z not mm. to say that it's not true because they're the ones experiencing it not us but I as being as I've been told I'm an expert apparently 
<laughs> and I, as an expert, I don't want to mess up anything, yeah. right? Especially if it comes to someone's mental health, because I'm not a mental health professional. Well, there are no experts in this field. Well, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, on that uh, cheery note, uh, we have a question from uh, our faithful listener, Phil, in Orange, Massachusetts. Alrighty. Haven't seen Phil in a while. Hope he appears at Lemonster. Uh, so Phil writes to us, gentlemen. Paul has said many times that parasites are separate, uh, are separate type of entities from spirits of the dead. Have you, uh, Paul or Shane, ever encountered uh, both kinds of entities residing in the same house or building? Are parasites and spirits even aware of each other's existences? Um, and if so, is there any evidence that they interact in any way? <laughs> uh, I'll start with that one because I'll give that a. Giant yes, Phil. Uh, one of the cases I frequently talk about, and, and for, well, first of all, Ben and I ran into uh, one of his first cases uh, was in nineteen in twenty o five. We call the haunted policeman. Nineteen twenty five. No, I said, <laughs> well, all right, no, not nineteen twenty. Oh, could well in some parallel reality, probably yeah. But in Vermont, with the haunted policeman of Vermont, we call you know rather dramatically. They, this was a perfect example of a parasite operating in several different worlds at once. Uh, there was something going on in the backyard of this house, lovely part of uh, Vermont near Barrie. And uh, when this thing could not get enough to eat from what was happening in a parallel reality or time, it would go into the apartment where the police officer lived uh, in the basement of his, his parents' house. There was, there was no, no other houses in the immediate vicinity. Well, there were, but not close. And, uh, he, and when we described... Uh, to him, the notion of the, of the parasite feeding on negative energy and this sort of thing. He said, boy, that, that really rings true with us because whenever I would fight with my fiancé, we would see it mm-hmm. walking. Ben even got a picture of it, you know, and it would knock stuff off shelves and do all this sort of thing. Uh, in Pennsylvania in 2004, the year before this, I was down at King of Prussia near Philadelphia. There was a, a girl a couple of girls who were sharing an apartment. And there was the same kind of thing going on in the backyard. There was, it was like this murder or something that was going on. And there were, and, and this gets right to Phil's question, there were people in another parallel reality whom the girls thought were ghosts, spirits of the dead. But they, they thought the girls were ghosts haunting mm-hmm. them. And the parasite was feeding on both of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- this got really wild. But but the more you look for this, the more you see it. So, Phil, that, that's a big yes as far as... But whether they're spirits of the dead, uh, one of the problems with that is that our laws of physics, at least in this world, do not would not permit a, a, a fully contained personality, memories, whatever, ta- you know, this kind of thing, without a, a body. Um, you know, and, and so the spirits, I mean, we assume that when there's evidence of somebody running around who, whose funeral we attended five years before, it's got to be the, their residue. Or, but that's not really possible. Uh, in other worlds with different laws of physics, yes, something like that could happen. So what, what, what I think is that you've got parallel worlds with actual people living in them. And, you know, if you see them at all, you may see them across the, these electrically charged brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, or membranes, and they look like spooky, you know, glowing things or whatever, and so, aha, ghosts. So uh, that's a yes, but a qualified one, because I don't necessarily believe, at least not in the immediate world that we live in, um, strictly spirits of the dead. Now, I don't know. Shane, what do you say about that? I concur with everything you just said. And also... That's why we have you on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another thing to think about, too, is is um, 
a lot of the cases where it seems like it's a person that was alive. You know, you see photos of a ghost that was captured, and people say, "Yeah, that was my grandfather," or whatever. You know, that that's definitely him, or or this, that, or the other thing, or or areas where people keep seeing ghosts, um, but the ghost never really seems to interact with them. You know, and these. These usually happen in places where there was an emotional ripple through the multiverse where there was a dramatic event or a traumatic event like Gettysburg, you know, places like that yeah. where people keep seeing ghosts of, of soldiers and or, you know, um, where there was a murder and, and people see, keep seeing the ghosts of, you know, the murderer or the, mur- you know, the murdered and um, or hearing screams and stuff like that. Those are emotional ripples. Emotion, our, our emotional frequencies play into the, all this so, so much and they linger and they, they don't... Um, you know, don't don't just go away. And they seem to also, um, in those areas where these these events happen, also seem to draw in parasites. Parasites will show up uh, from time to time, like the apple orchard in Connecticut, where the kid killed himself, and yeah, they, they yeah. have something going on there, which we I don't believe is the kid at all. You know, I yeah. think it's a parasite that you know is ca- trying to capitalize on what was drawn to this area yeah. because of. Well, we're the, still following that case. Yeah, right? these emotional uh, ripples that took place. Um, so you know, they they do show up at the same time sometimes yeah. you know, you'll have multiple things happening you'll have the parasite actually intelligently feeding off of you know victims or or a victim and um also these you know these events that took place at another time or you know from a traumatic or a dramatic event well, well i'm glad you brought up gettysburg shane because i've looked into the presence of parasites at battles and things like this. Now, oh, did you? Uh, like a murder is is one thing, mm-hmm. but you know, a huge battle. I mean, imagine the sustenance they could gain from the negativity. Now, particularly in the Civil War, and particularly Gettysburg, uh, history even to even today, as cynical as American history is being taught in most places today, cynically, as I should say, the uh, the Battle of Gettysburg, uh, you know, the high ideals and uh, like the the Northerners were fighting against slavery, which was not the case actually, uh, you know, not all of them anyway, uh, and the Southerners fighting for slavery, which was not the case either. Uh, there were a whole a huge political, economic, and, and other things that were going on. Uh, and believe me, as one who was in the military and in some tight situations, you're thinking of, of your own skin. You're not thinking of high ideals. Mm. You're thinking of how you're going to get through this, you know. <laughs> uh, so um, there's a lot of negativity on a battlefield, which should go without saying, um, particularly Gettysburg. Now, when you go to a place like that, you feel it's it's just it's different. Yes, and it's very. I don't know. It's, it's almost impossible to describe. It, it's it's. You, you can feel the ideals. That's what people, the visitors bring. Uh, I think that there was a there was so much suffering there that I think there was a lot of parasite presence, and you can feel that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's you know again, time is all simultaneous according to Einstein, and we find that uh, there is no past, there is no future. It's all right there. And if you're aware enough, you can pick it up. So uh, that's interaction to the tenth power mm-hmm. uh, in, in the, the framework of uh, of the question from Phil. And um, I think that that's present pretty much everywhere. The whole planet right. seems to be interactive in this regard, which brings up the very very chilling thought that uh, were we as a species, because we have all these weird genes that shouldn't be there. Uh, if evolution is just the only explanation for our existence, were we bred as cattle for these things? Were we specifically... Yeah, look at some of our traits. Um, the, the different races 
of human beings, which is uh, a great thing, particularly for the gene pool. <laughs> you know, it's a really, it's a, you know, it's great for people to interact. Uh, it's good for the gene pool, but the, the racism that has been present, and a lot of it, some of some of it isn't racism. It's tribalism. It doesn't mean you hate the other person; you're just afraid of them. That's that's you know in ancient times you had you know people who uh, you know you esteemed most the people nearest you and the people who are more different might be a threat to your life because you don't know what their motives were so that was the origin of tribalism it's kind of the thing it's not evil it's just it, it is it's something we have to overcome by simply getting to know one another I think and then that's happening and it's great mm-hmm. uh, but it, were we bred for this I mean it just it, it's got division and hatred and negativity written all over it. And that's only one of many human characteristics uh, that, 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 uh, with which uh, that is the case. So were we bred to feed these things? And I think that's a terrible thought, but we seem to have a lot of positive help, too. My next book's going to be a, the book after the one uh, about you know that, that uh, that's coming out next year will be about all the positive stuff that, that at least I've seen. Mm. Uh, so these are all thoughts, and um, I don't know anybody can... You know, take what they want, uh, and, and you know, whatever opinion they have on that. But uh, I just wonder if we were bred for this. So Shane, we yeah, I, I think that's a um, definitely something we have to consider because I've always wondered, you know, if religion, organized religion, you know, that's another thing. Yeah, if if it's it's, it's supposed to be love, right? It's supposed to be peace and love, and and bring. Well, not always. I mean, that's bring, the, the modern yeah garden variety religions are supposedly are, right, yeah. and you want that. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't be using fear to to um, you know if you if you do this you're going to burn you know yeah. and things like that. It should be about uh, love and it should make you feel positive. But there's a lot of negativity in 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 re- some certain religions. But also if why if religion is you know forgiveness and acceptance and then why are religions responsible for so many deaths and so much blood spilled on this earth? And I, I all. I often wonder, you know, and I know we've all considered this, were these religions created so we are at odds, to keep us down spiritually, to keep the negativity there so these things can continue to feed. Were they the ones that actually, uh, are they responsible for these religions to keep us where they need us? Because when we're, we have to be at a lowered emotional frequency, and this is a a measurable frequency, this ain't something I'm just throwing out there, um, for them to connect. That's why I always said it's, it's like a two-way radio. If I get people to raise their emotional state, their frequency, it breaks a connection. It's not only that this thing ain't going to mess with us anymore, it's that it cannot connect with us anymore. And yeah. and to help kind of... Um, kind of show that during my lecture, I actually showed charts and, and where when what our um our it's rated in hertz what our our levels were when we're you know happy or when we're fearful um and and stuff like that so um did, did you know when we're in a lowered emotional state where these parasitic entities can connect with us our our um our emotional frequencies are at the same level as cancer mold mildew wow other Parasitical life forms, including these ones that attach to us, that's not a coincidence. Can't wait to hear your lecture, Lemons. Yeah, so yeah. that's not a coincidence. So when we raise our connection, um, we 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 also um, break that. You know, we I'm sorry, we raise our frequency, we break that connection. Mm-hmm. And so when we're lowered, we're susceptible. But not only that, we're connected with um, cancer and other parasitic life forms, like I said, including the ones that attack us. So Amazing. yeah, that's not a coincidence. Yeah. Well, speaking of coincidences, we have Alexander Petikov on the on the oh, uh, on, on the phones with us. 
Oh, well, Alexander, welcome uh, to the show. Hey, guys. How are you all doing today? Hey, Alex. Oh, really, you're almost on time. Uh, we have 10 more minutes, but we're glad to have you. Good enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was I was just cruising Facebook, and I saw you guys were on, and I said, why don't I call in and see what my buddies are up to? I know you got Great. Shane on the show today, so I wanted to see how you guys were doing. Oh well, we're, we're, well, I don't know. It's kind of a grim subject we're discussing. Yeah. You know whether human uh, human life is um, specifically bred to feed parasites. You know, and, and I think you'd agree. You don't want to go nuts with this stuff. But on the other hand, you know, you can't guard against something if you're not aware of it. So for whatever it's worth, we think because people have been writing. This is an open line show, as you know. People have been writing in about. Uh, you know, questions about parasites and interactions with people and all this kind of thing. So, uh, but but uh, on a more cheerful note, what are you up to this weekend? You're always doing something interesting. Oh, I actually just got back. I'm relaxing today, thank God. But I was just. Uh, I remember relaxing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was up in the White Mountains of New Hampshire for the past two days. On you a poor thing. Trip, so uh, we we conquered Mount Washington finally, which is nice. So now I'm just taking it easy today. Well, that sounds nice. I'm glad you called in. So we're looking forward to um, going to Pennsylvania again October, our whole uh, crazy gang, uh, to continue our case down there that we've been talking about, Pennsylvania Triangle. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on that? Absolutely, yeah. I was looking at my calendar, making sure I could mark that down uh, as that looks like it's a go. So I look forward to further, uh, further investigating that with you guys and maybe conducting some more interviews and talking to more witnesses and building the kind of interview database that we have. I think that would be great. So what were you doing in the White Mountains? Were you playing checkers with Bigfoot, as you often do? Or uh, I remember uh, <laughs> last uh, last weekend I was very happy to finally pick up a copy of uh, Granite State Bigfoot, which has you as a cartoon character um, in, in the book uh, from the, the Mitchell, uh, Mike and Michelle Mitchell, who are great friends of ours. It's pretty cool. And, it looked uh, like you were just out of Johnny Quest. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I must say it was yeah, very, very complimentary. Yeah, and I never expect that to happen, but it's cool that it did. And uh, you know, I, I was uh, I sold out of my copies of the comic at the uh, the International Cryptozoology Festival or conference this past weekend, so that was great. Very high demand, and people seemed to love it. And I I heard it was well received at Exeter as well. Well, it was Exeter was great, uh, and you walked uh, unsuspectingly into my next question, which was how was the International Cryptozoology Conference last weekend in Portland, Maine? Oh, I must say it was it was excellent. Lauren Coleman did a fantastic job getting a really amazing group of speakers and people together. We had Joseph Citro and Stephen Bissett of Vermont, as well as Katie Elizabeth, who's been featured in my chant documentary. Uh, Jeff Meldrum, who's a professor of anthropology, Bigfoot expert. Todd Dissitel, a DNA professor at NYU, also frequent Bigfoot uh, DNA analyzer. So we had a really good group of people. Uh, Crypto Kid, Colin Schneider, you guys... You guys have had him on. You know who he is. So it was a great group of people. That sounds great. Yeah, Colin Snyder, the uh, the young man who was uh, the, uh, one of the future stars of cryptozoology and already is well known. Now you'll be speaking uh, w- with us on our motley gang at uh, the uh, Greater New England UFO Conference in October. And uh, do you know your topic yet? Yes. Yeah, I actually just told uh, the organizer Susan the other day about uh, my topic. I'm going to do it on cryptids of New England. So I'm going to focus oh. on. Wow. So in the theme of the show that I was on with you guys, Local Monsters, it's going to be New England themed and dealing with uh, the cryptids found in the region. So that should be fun. Talk to Ben about the Woonsocket Wild Man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Excellent. Well, very good. 
Well, uh, do you have any other thoughts, uh, wisdom? Uh, you, you've uh, raised the uh, the tone of our conversation somewhat from uh, being a bunch of cows <laughs> here to uh, uh, looking perhaps for other uh, other cryptids. Uh, can you give us a hint about cryptids in New England uh, that you're going to mention besides Bigfoot? Yes, of course. The champ naturally is something that I've been very into. And I'm going to talk about more seemingly mundane topics, so perhaps... Um, of the feline variety, uh, oh, catamount. Yeah, that's all I'm going to hint at. That may be a project that I might be looking into in the future as well. So, um, you know, aside from that, things like the silver demon, uh, one one time cases, you know, some of the sea serpents, such as the Great New England sea serpent, and, ah. and other things. I don't want to put them all on the table. So, okay. if you want to hear it, you'll have to come to Lemonster and, and hear the rest of us speak as well. Outstanding. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, we're running down the clock here, but Alex, uh, wonderful to have uh, have you call in, and we'll talk to you soon, our fr- good friend. Absolutely, my friends. Have a good rest of the show and great weekend, and I will talk to you guys soon. Very good. Oh, yes. Look forward Bye-bye. to it. All right. Alexander Petikoff, everybody. Renaissance man. All right. So we are, uh, let's get down to our announcements here. I think we're uh, pretty much uh, ready for that. Uh, first, uh, we thank the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club, along with Seacoast Saucers of New England and Granite Sky Services, for a great Labor Day weekend at the 9th Annual Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire, which we've mentioned here and uh, there during the show. This event involves the whole town of Exeter. It's lots of fun. It raises money for local children's charities. And uh, we're told at this time... Uh, they have not announced how much they have made, but we'll let you know when they do. Last year it was like $9,000 for children's charities in southern New Hampshire. Really great. On Columbus Day weekend, October 5th and 6th, Paul, Ben, and I, along with many other speakers, will be at the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Find out more at newenglandufo.com. And this is going to include Joseph A. Citro, of Vermont's Bard of the Bazaar, as he is known, <laughs> broadcaster, author, great friend of ours. Uh, and we've never spoken on the same docket with him. So Shane will be there, Ben and I, Alexander Petikoff, Dennis Stone from um, America's Stonehenge, uh, and a, bu- a bunch of other great speakers. We're speaking twice. Uh, we're going to be um, on, on Bigfoot night is Friday the 5th. And we're going to be talking about uh, Bigfoot is is it flesh and blood or something else. And then the next day, uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, alien, what really is an alien. We're going to bring in a lot of the things we've mentioned today on the show. Oh, great. And once you uh, once again say what, what your subject is going to be, Shane. Yeah, mine's going to be about parasitic life forms and my experiences and how I come to um, the, the knowledge that I have and how to deal with them. Great. Okay, Ben? Alrighty. So we'll be back at the Danbury, Connecticut uh, Public Library once again on Saturday, October 13th uh, for the third annual Western Connecticut UFO Conference. And you can watch BehindTheParanormal.com uh, for more information about that. And uh, one of the great people is going to be there is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who is uh, oh, yes. occasional co-host of our show. Uh, she's a more traditional uh, approach to the paranormal, but is a tremendous author. Uh, just encyclopedias and you name it uh we agree on two things uh rosemary and i uh we're we're great friends and it's sunday but uh, we have we have a great uh great back and forth uh so shane what's uh what else is happening with you besides uh the speaking uh, you're at a show yeah yeah i'm glad you brought that up um so you know my regular website is truegos.com but i'd like to ask the listeners to help me out on something here i started a new youtube channel 
It's called Exposing the Paranormal TV. And um, it, right now it's just basically podcasts. Uh, it's not TV, but I will have shows that are live at, at some point and also uh, other recordings. But um, if you go on there, sub- please subscribe. I have two interviews up right now that, that are excellent. One's about UFO and um, alien-related. The other's about paranormal. Um, one with Mike Stevens. The other with Christopher Balzano. And, um, but go to look me up, either my name on YouTube or Exposing the Paranormal TV. And please subscribe. Help me build this thing. We're going to have a lot of great guests coming up. That sounds terrific. Uh, my next book, da- Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, and Parallel Worlds, has gone to the publisher. I'm told it won't be released for another year uh, for the Schiffer Books Fall, Winter 1920, uh, 1920. Well, well, I'm back in the 20th century. Yes. 2019-2020 catalog, but we'll keep you posted on it. probably because my first case happened in 1925. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'll never live with that down. And uh, check out our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, for all the good stuff that's going on. 800 hours of shows in the past 10 years. Oh, yes. Never forget about BehindTheParanormal.com. So and we have next week there, Ben. Yes. So on September 16th, uh, we this should be especially fascinating. We will have uh, Bill Hall and Jimmy uh, Petanito. Pen- Petanito. I don't know why I can't. His name is just too yeah, hard to read. Too many syllables. Yeah. So um, on the subject of phone calls from the dead, uh, or, well, there's a question mark there. So if it's phone calls from the dead. So if you have questions you want to get them into us, paulbehindtheparanormal.com for those. All right. Uh, that's it. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Sayway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben 